0: A life that works requires planting and developing roots that ground and grow you. It's a life that's secure and fruitful. This week, we'll be looking at four things that will help you build a life that works. This message is the seventh in the series, A Life That Works. The message is entitled, The Power of Planting. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Well, grab your Bibles, your teaching sheets, and get ready to study God's Word. We're going to be in Psalm chapter ninety-two. If you have your Bibles, you're going to turn to Psalm chapter ninety-two as we start out our teaching series tonight. Continuing our teaching series called "A Life That Works." Some of you enjoyed uh, Philip and Holly Wagner last week. Were they amazing, incredible, uh, great message on relationships and a life that works? And I want to talk this weekend about the power of planting. The power of planting. In this series, uh, what prompted me to actually do this series was just thinking about some of the questions I've been asked as a pastor over the years or statements that I've heard people make. And many, many times, far far too many times for me to even be able to count, I've heard people say something like this, Pastor, my life's just not working. My marriage isn't working. Uh, There's a relationship that just isn't, isn't working. Something's broken in my life. How do I make it work? And so I begin to think about the principles of life that actually make life work, and I begin to think about the fact that actually life really doesn't work unless you live life God's way. That's the only way it will work, because if you and I are trying to live life our way, we're already broken people, and so when you try to fix yourself and you're broken already, you can't fix something if you're broken. And so you need someone that will give you instruction and guidance to be able to know how to have a life that works. And that's what the Bible is all about. This is why this book is so precious. and so important. You need to know this book because this is your life manual. This will show you how to have a life that works. And there are many, many principles in this book, far too many that I can cover in this particular series, that will really begin to get your life in a pathway that it works effectively because this book is about wisdom, and wisdom is what builds a house. Wisdom is what allows you to live life effectively and efficiently and fruitfully. And so I'm talking about, or as a part of this series, talking about some of the principles, some of the things that we build our life on, wisdom points. And one of those wisdom points really is all about a word called planting. Say that word with me. If you want to have a life that works, you've got to learn something about this principle in the Bible called planting. If you don't understand this word and the principle and live it out, you're going to have some broken places in your life. And Psalm 92, verses 13 and 14, really gives us one of the places that describes this principle. So I'm going to invite you to read it together with me. You're going to read from the New King James Version. So let's read aloud and loudly, Psalm 92, verses 13 and 14. Are you ready? Here we go. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. Would you please circle the word on your notes, planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall... Another word I want you to underscore there or highlight or circle is the word flourish. So to flourish, you must be planted. Now planting to plant to plant something means you actually from a agricultural horticultural perspective is to take a seed or a seedling or some kind of a plant and to actually put it into the ground for growth, for rootedness, and for fruitfulness. So that's the idea, to take something that is alive and put it in an environment where it can then begin to grow and develop roots and a root system that will produce fruitfulness from it, blossoms, whatever that particular plant is designed to do. And so it is putting it into the ground so rootedness can lead to fruitfulness. And the Bible says that when you're planted in the house of the Lord, and there's a lot of applications that. We'll talk about some of those tonight. The Bible says that you will flourish. Let me give you the definition of this Hebrew word for flourish because as I studied it again, I got fairly excited about this word because the word flourish literally means to fly. It means to spread your wings and to expand into life. It means to to go abroad, to have an abundant blossoming of your life. It means to bud, to flourish, to grow, to spread, to spring forth. I like that kind of life. How about you? I've always wanted to fly. The Bible says if you're planted in the house of God, you will will have the capacity to fly. You'll have the capacity to have your wings spread forth and rootedness to go deep in your life, and you will bud and you will flourish in, in a very effective way. And so if you want to have a life that works, this is a biblical principle. You must learn something about being planted. A planted life is a life that works. Now, I'm going to share with you four things about a planted life tonight, this weekend, that will help you to... Make sure to, first of all, do a checkup for for your own life and say, okay, am I doing this? And if you're not, how to begin doing it in your life because it's so valuable for us. Number one, planting, according to the Bible, requires long-term perspective. If you're going to get planted in something, it requires you to move beyond just short-term thinking into long-term thinking, long-term perspective. And long-term perspective is very different from short-term perspective. I could illustrate this in a number of years, let me tell you a quick story from my own personal history that perhaps will help you to see what I'm talking about. That is, if you are planted, if you have a mindset of planting, it it's, it causes you to think further out than just the short term. A number of years ago, I was doing a mission trip. Actually, it was a pastor's conference that I was doing at another nation around the world. I will not name the nation. It was a nation that was very, it's a developing country, very, very poor, one of the things that really struck me when I landed there and went to the venue where I was going to, uh, to be a part of this pastor's conference and doing teaching there, as I'm driving along this pathway, along this road, highway to the venue, I'm looking at something that's absolutely startling me. It's amazing to look at. What I'm seeing is just landscape after landscape, hillside after hillside, that all you could see are the stumps and the nubs of trees. It's all you could see. For miles and miles and miles, those who lived there in that nation because of their survival mentality, had chopped down all of these trees and left nothing but stumps there. There had been no replanting process at all. And so they would simply, like nomads, move from one place to the next, chopping the trees down. And then, of course, when there's no trees there, no vegetation, there's erosion and all kind of things that happen as a part of it. And they were actually continuing their own poverty by their lack of long-term perspective. They didn't realize that if we want a future, we've got to do some planting. We can't just harvest. We have to plant. If we want something in the days to come, we can't just consume. We have to contribute. We have to do something with what we've been given. We have to invest in it. And certainly nothing wrong with the consumption of the wood for whatever they needed it for. But the problem was they were not doing anything to replenish the supply. There was no vision for the long term. And what it reminded me of is a lot of people in their lives, they go through life sort of roaming from place to place, wandering from place to place, mentally, emotionally, sometimes relationally. And they're always taking something from the environment and they never Plant anything around them to grow. Never leave anything of a long-term future, a long-term heritage, a long-term perspective. And so, if you're going to plant, it requires long-term perspective. Stories told of a man who went into a garden shop to ask about a tree, he wanted to plant some trees in his yard, and so he wanted to find out the best time to plant trees, and so he asked the resident expert there, when is the best time to plant a tree in your yard, and the guy looked at him and said, 10 years ago. So his response was, when is the second best time to plant trees, and the man looked at him and said, now. And there are many of us in our life right now, we would say, when was, the, when was the best time to do some planting? Well, maybe it was 10 years ago, and you're suffering now because you haven't planted as you needed to. But the second best time to start planting trees is... Now, that you can start doing it now. You can start making some choices that will move you beyond a short-term perspective to a long-term perspective. There's a story of a king in the Old Testament. His name was Hezekiah, and Hezekiah, while he has some high moments in his ministry and his administration, he also has some low moments. I want to take you to one of the lowest moments from my perspective in Hezekiah's life because I want you to see how limited his perspective was, how he did nothing to plant for the future. Let me read for you Isaiah chapter 39 verses five through eight. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. Let me stop there for a moment. So Isaiah is the prophet and as the prophet he's going to speak to Hezekiah who is the king of Judah and the king of Judah is now uh, Judah, the nation of Israel, Judah the portion the southern portion of Israel is now going to soon go into captivity. And so this is a, this is a tough message for a hard time that's about to occur. So. Isaiah is about to speak a very difficult message to King Hezekiah. Here's the message. The time will surely come. As again, Isaiah to Hezekiah. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. So he's predicting the Babylonian captivity. They're going to lose everything in Judah. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And then the prophecy continues. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Everybody say bad prophecy, all right? Right? You don't want a prophecy like this, right? You want a prophecy says the Lord is going to bless you and everything's going to be wonderful. But no, Isaiah says, Hezekiah, here's what's going to happen. I can see into the future there's going to be a really big problem. All that you have here in Judah is going to be taken into captivity, into Babylon. Even your sons, your children that will be born to you are going to end up eunuchs for the king of Babylon. That should cause anyone to weep, shouldn't it? A prophecy that was very sobering. Now notice his response in verse number 8. Here's Hezekiah now speaking. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good. Good? I mean, his definition of good is very different from mine. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought, read the rest with me, there will be peace and security, where? In my time. One translation says... At least there will be peace and security in my time. Do you see what's going on for Hezekiah? Hezekiah says, You know what? Not really thinking about the future. Not really worried about that. Even about my kids so much. I just want to make sure everything's good for me. I want to consume what I can consume now in the moment. I'm not really concerned about doing anything that's going to impact a long term perspective. And you will never, ever live a planted life until you begin to look past your, your present into your future and say, you know, what I do today is making a difference for my tomorrows. And if you want a better tomorrow, how do you get a better tomorrow? By planting the right things when? Today. Because if you plant the right stuff in your life today, that's where your fruit for tomorrow will come. And so the Bible is very, very clear about the importance of planting because we want a better tomorrow. What we fail to do is realize we're putting the seeds of tomorrow into the ground today in our life. So you have to have a long-term perspective. Second principle about planting is that planting also requires commitment. You can't plant without commitment. Planting actually is a commitment. And planning is a commitment based on intentional decisions. Several years ago, uh, the house that my wife and I live in, uh, we, we've lived there for a number of years now, and, and part of what's happened over the years with our home is that some of the trees that were planted there when the house was first uh, originally built, I think the house was built in about 1969, I believe it was. When the house was originally built, a lot of trees were planted. And then over the years, they start getting diseased and they start dying out. And then you have to have them cut down and, and replaced and so forth. And so we've had a number of trees, especially some of the softwood trees that we've had to actually take down. They're just diseased. I actually had one that actually fell over in my front yard. Just I walked out one day and heard this crash. It was, a, it was like a 50-foot pine tree that just fell. That's what happens when there's problems in your life. If ultimately, you fall, right? And so we've been replacing some of those trees, and as a part of it, we thought, well, let's just do a little landscaping as well just to kind of dress up our front yard a bit. And so we decided to plant some trees there several years ago, and what we did was this. we, Before we planted, because my natural tendency was to go out and just start plopping trees down places, yeah, I think one would look nice there, Oh, well, let's put one over there, And well, why don't we put one there too? but we made a decision. We actually hired a person that had a landscaping plan. We said, draw out a plan for us because you know where trees grow best, and you also know the kind of trees that will grow best, and you also know how much space trees need between one tree and another. And so we want to make a good intentional decision because once we put these trees in the ground, we don't want to have to move them. We don't want to be digging them up and moving them around because we put them in the ground, we're making a commitment. They're there. And so it's an intentional decision. And so when you choose to plant and be planted in certain things in your life, you have to intentionally think about, Where and what am I going to do to plant my life? It doesn't just happen out of an emotional moment, but it happens out of an intentional thought process. How can I plant my life best so that it's not only affecting me good today, but also for the future? And that means you have to make some commitments. Everybody say the word commitment with me. Come on, you didn't say it like you meant it, okay? Commitment. There's a lot of people that do not like that word. A lot of people that are afraid of commitments, a lot of people that just think commitment is a bad thing. But I want to tell you that for your life to work well, you you have to make some commitments. A life lived by commitment is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. it's, It's actually a good thing because commitments is what keeps you in the ground, okay? Commitment is what keeps you creating a root system. Commitment is a good thing. This past Thursday, my wife and I celebrated 38 years of commitment to one another. Marriage, okay? okay? 38 years. We said, I do, and we did. And we've done for 38 years. Why? Because it's a commitment. I meant it when I said it. She meant it when she said it. And so we thought about it, and we did it. So that was a commitment that was made. And our world desperately needs, and we as believers desperately desperately need to be people of commitment. There's far too little commitment in our world today to the right things, Let me give you the definition of commitment. Are you ready to listen to this? Here it goes. It's a promise to be loyal to something or someone. It is to choose to work hard to do or support something. It involves a self imposed obligation to do something you said you would do, fulfill something you said you would fulfill, complete things you said you would complete. Follow through with the relationships and assignments you said you would follow through with. That's what commitment is. Now, the reason that most folks don't like commitment is because there's another word that comes with commitment. It is a four-letter word. It's called work. Because every commitment requires work. You can't have a commitment without work commitments always are engaged in something that requires energy and investment on your part and so planting is about making a commitment with your life now Jesus understood understands this very well during his earthly ministry Jesus taught high commitment he didn't teach low commitment he taught high commitment. Now Jesus was always very willing to forgive sinners and give people a fresh start and get them started in a new life. That's the love of Jesus. He was always expressing love to people and bringing them into new life. But also as a part of that, he would, as he moved them along in their journey, he would require commitments of them. You remember when he walked by the seashore of Galilee and he looks at Peter, Andrew, James, and John. He says, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Anybody remember that story? Well, you know what he was doing with them? He was asking for a commitment he was saying you know what you have to leave some things behind if you really want to go to the next level in your life you've got to commit to me in a deeper way you've been fishermen but now I want you to fish for men with me and so you can study the ministry of Jesus and you will see time and time again how he loves and embraces people but also he will lovingly bring them to a place of commitment because he knows something that you and I need to know he knows that real fruitfulness will never happen in your life until you get committed to you say, I'm all in. I'm really in. In Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 27, Jesus talks about this commitment. Great crowds were following him. Don't run past that phrase. Great crowds, what does that mean? Lots of folks. There's a whole bunch of people following him. He turned around and addressed them as follows. Now, if you've got a whole bunch of people, if things are going well for you, and you've got a bunch of people following you, what do you think you'd like to say to a group like that? Oh, you guys are awesome. It's amazing. It's wonderful. Hey, just keep on. Keep it on. We're all good. But notice what Jesus says. He turns to this massive crowd... That is following him. And notice his words. Anyone who wants to be my follower must love me far more than he does his own father, mother, wife, children, brothers or sisters. Yes, more than his own life. Otherwise, he cannot be my disciple and no one can be my disciple who does not carry his own cross and follow me. Anybody believe that thinned the crowd out? That day, the crowd was thinned out because what did Jesus call for? He said, you're going to have to make some commitment. You've got to get planted. You've got to say, I'm going to be a part of this thing. You've got to say, I'm all in. And commitments are all about the things that you include in your life and the things that you exclude from your life. And what a planting is, is a commitment to a specific place, a specific seed, a specific season of your life. You are planted. You've made a commitment. What are you committed to? What are you truly committed to in life, and are you committed to the right things? Have you planted yourself in the commitments that will produce real fruitfulness for your future? The third thing that you learn about planting from the Bible is that planting keeps you grounded and keeps you growing. Planted will keep you grounded, and planted planting will keep you growing. Planting, I told you a moment ago, means to be placed in the ground. That's the basic definition of the word. And one of the benefits for planning is that it grounds you. That's what it does. And to be grounded is to be spiritually and mentally and emotionally stable. We talked about that's a grounded person. That means they are, they're stable. It means that you have a root system that supports and protects you through the ups and downs of life. And if you haven't learned it yet, I promise you somewhere along the life pattern, life process, you will learn that life has ups and life has downs. Life is not always up, even as a believer. Sometimes in your walk with God, there'll be those down moments. David said it himself in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And so what you need in your life is something that will ground you when things are up, because sometimes when things are up, you can lose your good thinking, can't you? Well, everything's going so well, you don't have good reasoning, even in good times, so you still need to be grounded. Anybody ever seen someone that success destroyed? Success can destroy people who aren't grounded. Look at some of the professional athletes who get these major, massive salaries, and then their life falls to pieces because they're not grounded. They don't have any grounding in their being, and so their success leads them down a pathway of actual destruction. And so even in the successes of life, you need to be grounded. And in the difficult times of life, you need to be grounded. I'll never forget a number of years ago uh, when my wife, before we actually planted Church of the Redeemer, we were living in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and we went through uh, uh, one true massive hurricane that was there one year. I want to I say it was, I think it was Gloria. I can't remember the name of the hurricane. I think that's the one it was. But we had some trees in our front yard at that point in time, and, and I, I watched, and our neighbors did as well, and I watched something about those trees as a hurricane came through. And some trees were destroyed and some were not because many of them lasted because they had a good root system. They had something about their root system that kept them secure when the storm came through. And I've watched people in their lives as well, people right here in our own church family who've gone through storms of life, and they amaze me when I see them because they've walked through some of the most significant, horrible storms of life, but they still are standing strong. Why? Because they have the roots that go deep in Jesus, okay? There are people in this room tonight that I could point out and say, that person is still standing strong because they had some roots that went deep in Jesus. And that person is still standing strong because they had some roots that went deep in Jesus. And what I want for every person here tonight, more importantly, what God wants for you, is some roots that will go deep so that when you have successes in your life, your your successes will not destroy you and the down times of life will not ruin you. You need to be grounded You need to be successful. You need to be be steadied and stabled by the grounding that comes by planting. Planting also allows you to grow. You can't grow without roots, can you? Roots are are necessary. Don't ever forget that because roots not only feed you, but roots keep you in place. (laughs) I've got a bunch of stories here tonight. Let me tell you another story. You ready for this? Okay. And I'm going to take you back to my front yard again. You ready for my front yard? Okay. Okay. I have a relationship with my front yard, okay? As a part of this whole landscaping change that we did several years back, actually this, this one preceded that one, we had some juniper bushes that were in the front of the yard that just, my wife hated them, okay? I mean, she hated them. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think she cursed them every time she walked by, okay? She hated they were They actually were ugly, and they were, just, they were just all over the place and running everywhere. And she said, honey, I want you to get rid of those things. So I said, sure, I can do that. So I think, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to pull those baby dolls up. I mean, I mean, you've seen my muscles, haven't you? I can do this, okay? I'm going to pull those things up. Not going to be a problem. And so I went out there to start trying to pull them up. And I realized, my goodness, those things have roots that go to China. I mean, they're amazing, Okay. <laughs> And I did everything. I'm chopping, and I'm cutting, and I'm pulling. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. And I cannot tell you the intense process of trying to get those things up. Why? Because those roots wanted to keep those things in place. And it's true in your life that when you have good roots, it keeps you in place. And why is that important? Because you can't grow unless you stay in place. Because if you're always running from things, you'll never grow. If you always run, when a problem happens in a relationship, will you grow? you have a friendship that has a problem and you run away from the friendship, will you ever grow? Will you ever learn how to be a better friend? No, you'll never learn. If you always run when there's a problem in your marriage, what happens? You never learn how to have a better better marriage, right? If you always run whenever you you meet someone in church you don't like, you're going to be running to lots of different churches, okay? We could go on and on in terms of your life, but any time that you and I face some kind of challenge in life, we have the tendency to want to run, don't we? We want to run away from that. We want to run away from the pain of that moment, but plantedness allows you to stay in place so that you can grow. It allows you to be settled and grounded. It allows you to grow because running from things never help you in any manner at all. Listen to Ephesians three fourteen through 19. Paul writes about this grounding and rootedness that comes in our faith in Christ. For this reason, Paul says, I I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you, he's talking about you, you and me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being, what's the next word? Circle that word on your notes. You being what? Rooted and, what's the next word? So what's God's plan for your life? Rooted and grounded. Rooted and grounded. Say it with me. Rooted and grounded. God wants you to be rooted and grounded in His love. Rooted and grounded in His word. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love may be able. Now notice this. The rooting and groundedness will produce the ability for something that you will be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and breadth and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. You may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, would you see there from that passage, as I do, that being rooted and grounded is very important? Because what it does, it leads you to the capacity of being filled with the fullness of God in your life, rooted and grounded in Him. Number four, last thing. Let me wrap up this evening with this one. planted, Planting brings blessings and leaves a legacy for others. Fruit is a result of roots. No roots, no fruit. And to have a fruitful life as a life that feeds and blesses others. You have to have roots and fruit is really not for you, fruit is for other people, right? When you grow fruit, an apple tree doesn't consume its own apples, right? pear tree doesn't consume its own pears. A pear tree produces fruit and says, hey, come and eat. This is for you. Here's a gift I'm giving. See, fruit is a gift that's given away. It's something that is a production of a particular, uh, particular uh, item. And so it's true in your life that when you're producing fruit, it's not just for yourself. It is for your others and so for others as well. So let me take you through very quickly six benefits of being planted. This is why you want to do this. This is why you want to make sure this is established in your life. Number one, your stability, your stability secures and stabilizes others. When you get planted in the house of God, you become secure and stable and your security actually stabilizes other people around you. Have you ever met a person before, they were so solid that when life was tough, you wanted to hang around with them because just being next to them was like mooring up your boat in a storm to something that wasn't going to move? Well, God wants you to be a person like that, the kind of person that is so solid that other people who are just starting to grow in their faith, they can hook up to you in the storms of life, and you're secure and stable so that they can find something of security and stability in their life as well. God wants to use you as a secure and stable force. Planting does that for you. Number two, your commitments inspire commitments in others. When you make a commitment, it helps other people to get committed. Anytime you make a commitment that is a good, solid commitment, you make a testimony for others to see and say, you know what, if they can do it, I want to do it too. If they can do it, I want to be like that. And so that's why it's valuable because you're inspiring good commitments in the people around you. Number three, your growth enables others to grow. When you're growing, you're rooted, you're planting, you're you're growing. I look at people here in our church that have gotten rooted and planted here in our church and have been here for five and ten and fifteen and twenty plus years. I look over here at Ada. You've been with us for twenty, 20 almost twenty nine years. Almost, I guess twenty nine years now. She, can you? I've been her pastor for twenty nine years. Isn't that amazing? Okay. And Pete as well. Fantastic. But I see people like that. I'm just picking out her because I saw her before the service, and I could know, I know that I can pick on her because she's my friend. But I watch people like that. They get planted in God's house, and they just get there, and they just stick. And I watch them over the years, how God grows them and how God uses them and how God begins to expand their ministry opportunities and how they, their growth enables other people to grow. See, God's plan for your life is not just about you growing. God actually wants to help use you to help other people grow. Isn't that amazing? that he can actually get you to the place that you can be used by him and his house to help other people come along their journey also. Number four, your trustworthiness over time actually creates respect for you and trust in you by others. How do you earn trustworthiness? By being trustworthy. And how does somebody know if you're trustworthy? They have to watch you for a little little while, right? Okay? Right? You trust people that you get to know and learn something about them, and as you get to know them, you're, oh, they're they're trustworthy, so I can trust them because they've been around. You know, some folks aren't around long enough to know whether you can trust them or not, okay? They blow in and blow up and blow out. That's kind of the way our world is. Blow in, blow up, blow out. And you never see what can actually be Uh, brought it for for a place of respect and trust. Number five, your planting increases your influence and your impact. So when you're planted, you're actually able to increase influence, impact with your life, and your, your plantedness paves the way for promotion. One of the greatest ways to move forward in promotion with God is to let God plant you in His house. Let me conclude by Psalm 92, 13 and 14. Read it together with me. It's at the top of your page. Let's read it again loudly as we're wrapping up here this evening. Those who are... Everybody together, those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing. I love verse 14, that when you get planted in God's house, you not only flourish, but you actually get to flourish for a long time. Okay? You bear fruit in old age, and you stay fresh and you stay flourishing. That's the kind of life that I want to live. How does life work Life works by being planted. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word this evening. We ask you'll take this message and or really apply it deeply to our hearts. I pray that for each one of us that we would begin to understand the value of planting and how that makes life work well. God, I pray you'll help us to make the commitments that we need to make or to redo commitments that perhaps have slipped, Lord, a- a- along the way in our life. Let us get back to that place of being fully committed to you, fully committed to the right relationships in life. Fully committed, O God, to the church family you've planted us in. Firmly committed to all those things you've required of us in life. Let us be all in, we pray. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for today's message. I trust that you've heard something from God's Word that will make a difference in your life now and forever. Maybe as you were listening to today's message, God began to speak to you about a personal relationship with himself. You know, the most important thing we can ever establish in our life is a relationship with God. And we do that by opening our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. If you've never invited Jesus into your life, today is your day. It's your opportunity. And I want to lead you in a prayer right now that you can pray that will forever change your life, that will allow your name to be written in the book of life for eternity. All you need to do is simply pray this prayer with me and mean it in your heart. If you'll mean this prayer, God will hear you. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So would you pray with me right now? Whisper these words to God or speak them out right where you are. Say, Jesus, just mention his name. Say, Jesus, I admit to you today that that I am a sinner and I'm sorry, God, for everything I've done wrong. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are God's Son, the Savior, the Redeemer. I thank you that you died on the cross for me and that you rose again. I believe in you, Jesus. And then whisper this prayer. Say, Lord, today I invite you to come into my life, to forgive me of my sins, to give me a brand new start in you. I give my life to you today in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer with me, and I ask that now they would continue to grow in you and serve you faithfully from this day forward. In Jesus' name. If you just prayed that prayer with me, friend, I want you to know that Jesus Christ heard you, that your name has been written in that wonderful book of life, and that now today you start a brand new life in Christ.